Welcome to another episode of Arena On Air. This time we sit down with some of the cast members of Disney's Newsies to talk about their favorite Newsy memories, the rehearsal process, what it's like being in a cast that includes girl Newsies, and a whole lot more. It's a true triple threat this week as we sit down for three interviews with our Newsies cast. First, we have Daniel J. Malvinado, who plays Jack Kelly, Tro Shaw, one of our news girls, and Wynn Delano, who plays Refuge Warden Snyder. Second, we chat with a few of our younger Newsies, Emery Ochok and Luke Spring, about being teenagers on a professional stage. And we sit down with Luke's sister, Lucy Spring, who tells us all about Swing Nation. Finally, we welcome Joe Montoya, who plays Crutchy, and Michael Hewitt, one of our Delancey brothers, as we dig a little deeper into the rehearsal process and what bringing these characters to life has been like. Without further ado, we give you the cast of Disney's Newsies at Arena Stage. My name is Wynne Delano. I play Schneider the Spider. I'm Tro Shaw, and I play Tommy Boy. And I am Daniel J. Maldonado, and I play Jack Kelly. Fabulous. You did so good there. Nailed it. (laughs) All right. So, first of all, can you tell us a little bit, for those who don't know what Newsies is, can you give us a little synopsis? Newsies is based off of the real-life story of the 1899 Newsboys strike. Uh, so it is a true, based off of a true story, and it is about a group of boys in an art production, boys and girls. Um, Which is historically news- accurate. Yes. Um, and it follows them uh, through their journey of going on strike against the big wigs of the newspapers at the time, which were Joseph Pulitzer and uh, William Hearst. And, you know, you follow their story and the, the trials and tribulations of what that meant and uh, how, much, how big of a deal it was for these young people, kids ages 9 to 17, uh, to stand up and fight for what they felt was right and for what they believe in and actually win. Spoilers. <laughs> in case you didn't know. In case you didn't know. It's a musical. Yeah. So it's Disney. They win. Yeah, and it turns into a bigger fight. It's not just about the Newsies by the end. It's about Mm -hmm. children and labor laws, and um, I think the way the show handles it is so great because historically it it took a lot longer for um, any kind of child labor laws to be put on the books. I think it was like the early Mm -hmm. 19-teens. So it was like a good 10 or 15 years Mm -hmm. before these laws really got put into effect. But the fight really did start with the Newsies. That was the first big push for kids saying enough is enough. So that's kind of a cool thing that the show highlights. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And so why is it so relevant to date audiences? Um, so there's this girl called Greta. Thunberg. I say her last name wrong. Thunberg. Thunberg. Uh, and she is um, pretty much like the idol for an entire generation of people Just of which ass. we sort of range here in this room. Um, she is, she's a bad mamma jamma and she knows how to uh, tell adults what's up she's not afraid, she doesn't apologize she says it like it is and I think there's something about that directness that um, comes across in our production in a way that had this show you know the show opened on Broadway in 2012 and I think at that time it had a thrust that was unique to the moment then but we have so much more to hold on to right now in this moment with 
her climate strike, with the Parkland students, with all these, um, you know, incredible stories about these kids being held in detention centers all over the country. So there's a ton that we're fighting for every day. Um, and when we walk out on that stage, it feels like we're bringing all of that with us and using the language of the show and the music and the dancing in the show to funnel all of that through. Yeah, and and also it, it deals with what does it mean to be in the news business and sure. all the moving parts of that. Um, specifically, it's, it brings up a really good question of what is news? Is it a commercial enterprise to make money or is it a public service? But if it's a public service, who pays for it? Right. And I think um, that's a lot of where this comes from is even the quote-unquote villains in this piece. Well, I'm a villain, but Pulitzer, uh, who is the villain of this piece, is really trying to look out for his newspaper and is as desperate as anyone. And I think that's one of the reasons the show's so interesting is that, you know, there's only me as the pure black and white villain. Well, and I mean, <laughs> even the way that Disney characterizes Pulitzer, he comes across a little villainous and a little black and white. Mm -hmm. And in reality, you know, he's a much more complicated guy. And there's it's a reason why one of the highest awards you can get as a writer is the Pulitzer. Yeah. I mean, he changed the way that news is done. Um, investigative reporting was like basically his baby, you know. Yeah. He created a way for that to happen. And he boosted young women like Nell, uh, Nellie, Nellie, Nellie Bly, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, Catherine is roughly loosely based on. Um, so it's hard because you have to keep some of that in context. And I think Ed Giro, who plays Pulitzer in our show, does a really great job of not ever letting him get, you know, uh, twisting the edges of the mustache <laughs> villain mode. Yeah. He really comes from the place of, I'm trying to do right, and I know what needs to be done, and you know, it, to some degree he has to be a little numb to the newsies because he's trying to make sure the news keep, keeps happening. And I think Ed does a really fantastic job of humanizing Pulitzer in that regard. He really, you know, puts it into perspective for the audience. It's like, you know, I'm not just doing this because I'm a Disney villain. I'm doing this because I need to think of my business. Right. You know. And I need to keep getting newspapers sold mm -hmm. so that the news can propagate. I mean, it's it's interesting because, like, he talks in the language of business, but the business is delivering the news, like mm -hmm. sharing the news with the world. And so his bottom line is just making sure he can keep mm -hmm. doing that thing. First, what are what were your first touch points with Newsies? Um, and what has this production sort of meant to you in terms of acting in it? Did you I know nothing about Newsies before you first came into the project? Did you know, are you like me? <laughs> You've been watching <laughs> a movie since 1992. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, interestingly enough, this is my second time doing the show and second time playing Jack Kelly. Um, so the first time I did it, uh, it was a very, very short process, you know, week and a half long rehearsals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, week and a half long rehearsal <laughs> and a two-week run um, while also rehearsing a bunch of other shows. Woo, summer, summer stock. stock. <laughs> um, and so I didn't really get the opportunity to really delve into the material because there just wasn't enough time we to do to so. We were just trying to put it on its feet. That's the goal in summer stock. So having the opportunity to do the show again and have the month-long process and go through the process that Molly goes through specifically, which is fascinating because she approaches a musical like she does a, a play it was eye-opening because you know you may think well what questions do you really have it's disney's newsies everything's kind of 
laid out for you in the script. It's all surface, but it's not. You know, there's a lot to delve into in this material. So having that opportunity to reapproach the material from that point of view and to really develop not just a character but a human being you know from that from that ground and then step up and step clarifying up. relationships and exactly. backstories and it mm-hmm. gives a new layer a new depth to yeah. all of the scenes so it was it was such a treat to go back and and look at the material that i've already new and approach it from a different point of view and approach it from the viewpoint of this children's crusade, you know, with with climate change and, and, and gun control and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and then, of course, to do it in a theater as well-renowned as, as Arena and the opportunity of doing it in the round, which, you know, not many theaters are like that in America. So to have the opportunity to perform in the round is, is a great, great thing to have on your resume. I grew up watching the movie. Um, I had a big old crush on Christian Bale, of like course. every young girl um, and boy. Let's be real. Um, uh, but I did always feel like just a little disconnected from it because there was no girls. Mm-hmm. And even as you know, a little kid, I was such a tomboy that I really felt like I was one of the guys. So I always felt a little bummed that I wasn't represented in that. And then um, the other movie that I was obsessed with was West Side Story, nice. which then I got to play anybody's um, in the Broadway production in 2009, nice. wearing my West Side Story sweatshirt as we speak. <laughs> um, and so that character to me was the first character that felt like absolutely true to my core of who I grew up as and like getting to really um, just let that part of me shine through. When I heard about this production and I heard that Molly was looking for boys and girls, I got really excited, but I didn't get my hopes up because I was pretty sure she would do the same thing. Where like, you know, if I was in the show, I would be a girl, but dressed like a guy. Mm-hmm. And then I went to my first fitting and it was like two weeks before rehearsal started. So I had no frame of reference. I didn't even know what part I was. I just knew I was a news boy. Yeah. And I walk in and they're like, okay, so your character's Tommy boy. I'm like, cool. What a great name. <laughs> and then they said, and here's your skirt. And then I started crying. No joke. I was so yeah so caught off guard by the fact that they were actually going to let the girls present as girls mm-hmm. and not try and hide it. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I just keep thinking about how powerful it would be to be sitting in that audience not knowing. And that first time that I see that skirt flying, I would have just lost my mind. So I'm so glad I get to hopefully give that experience to young women in the audience. Um, so we kind of started talking about the power and how, and you started on like what girls on the audience think. So what do you want audiences, both like we have young kids and like all the way through like people in their 70s are coming to see the show. So what oh, yeah. do you hope they're taking away? With the kids specifically, I love looking out and seeing kids all ages. You know, we've had so many age groups. We had a little kid, the cutest little kid. He was dressed as Jack Kelly. He was like, dressed as Jack Amazing. Kelly and we saw him right at the overture because he was sitting right behind our conductor and I had to meet him after the show. And watching his face, watching the show the whole time was just magical. I was like, Mm. that is why I do what I do. We do have the audience members, the adults, who are who really know the work we're putting into uh, each show and walk away just thoroughly impressed with the energy that we bring. But then we have the adults who, who come in and, and enjoy the, the piece itself mm-hmm. and do walk away thinking about the message that we are trying to get across. You know, we have, DC is, is wonderful in the fact that a lot of the audience and theater goers are smart. 
they they want you know they want they to want to be challenged. Yes, mm-hmm. they want to be affected. I think uh, you know Molly was really specific with us as a cast as we started uh, getting ready to have audiences. She talked a lot about the importance of when and and uh, being really targeting about when we would direct address the audience uh, because. The space, although it's quite large, has a very intimate feel. The audience is right there. Only nine and rows back. Yeah, it only <laughs> goes back nine rows, but we have it on all four sides. So, you know, at any moment in the show, you turn around and there's just a bunch of faces right there. So she challenged us, especially the news, uh, the newsboy girl group, to keep our eyes up so that we're sharing our performance with the whole audience but not targeting anybody specifically except for these very targeted moments that she laid out for us where she really thought it was important that the message of the moment needed to be given directly to an audience member in order for the impact to happen. And I think those moments um, are my touchstones throughout the show. So there's one in World Will Know when we Mm -hmm. say it's, you know, the whole song we've been singing, you know, the world will know, we've been keeping score and all this stuff about how, you know, we're not going to just roll over and let Pulitzer do what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's this one line where we say, so the world says no? Well, the kids do too. And that is a direct to an audience member moment. And it's the first time that I think the language of that song is so direct. I'll go one step further <laughs> than, than than Dan's comment on theater being an escape. I think it's it's a catharsis. Mm. I think it's, it's not just a way to forget your problems, but a way to deal with your problems. Mm-hmm. And I think to be in Washington, to come see a show about kids putting it all on the line for causes that are their literal life's blood mm-hmm. and winning in two and a half hours, in a nicely wrapped up Bo Disney story, <laughs> is kind of, it's just, uh, it's, it's fuel to get through another day mm-hmm. and to keep fighting. I, I love what you were talking about, how you would just put it on and you're like, I can do anything. That's yeah. kind of what I hope audiences mm-hmm. get out of yeah. this, which is that there is no, it's cliche, but there's no mountain you can't climb. There's no obstacle you can't surmount. And in our time of uh, a lot of obstacles, the female ensemble swing, so I cover four tracks in the show. Hello, my name is Emery Ojak. I play Mush as well as part of the ensemble. Hi, my name is Luke Spring, and I play Elmer as well as Scab number three. All right, so Luke and Emery, you are some of the youngest cast members. Yes. It's not the youngest, but some of the youngest. <laughs> yes. Uh, what's it like performing at Arena, being in this cast with fellow professional theater people? I, I think it's super interesting that um, Ethan Vance, like also, he, he plays our Davy, and he's just a year older than us, and we're all in our teens, and it's super fun to be playing the age um all of these kids are in their teens, so we're actually that age, so we can really relate to not fully what these guys are going through, but, you know, to be that young and to, um, I don't know what you feel like, but um, to have that, like, to to be the same age as these kids is super cool. Yeah, yeah um, and I feel like company-wise, being some of the youngest or younger ones in the cast, um, 
we don't really feel like it's a, like a lot different than all of the other members. We feel like we get treated the same way, and it's like a really great community, and we all just kind of become like a family, and mm-hmm. it's a, it's a really great experience. Do you think that makes it more inviting for your younger peers to come, and well, why and why should they come? Uh, yes, I think it does. I think you know, kids. It, this show directly, you know, is is about showing kids that it's okay to stand up for what you believe in and to speak out no matter how young you are. Um, you know, everyone has their their right. And to see, I think, you know, sometimes like in the audience, I'll see kids who are my age. I sometimes hoping like schools in, and I. I'm so looking forward to more of that because it's going to be fun. Yeah, definitely. Like um, Luke said, that's like a huge thing for me too is like whenever I see um, kids around our age or younger audience members, um, I always just think about how like we can really relate and they can relate to these characters and this message of this story. Um, And that really goes for anybody in the audience, but like really it really does target that demographic of like this next generation upcoming. You know, so to see kids do that, they think, oh, I could do that too, so. I think that's a big deal. I remember being, like, when I when we were really small, we did theater at the local community college, and it was always a really interesting experience to be performing with adults for adults, right. because previous experience a lot of times is, you know, either with your peer group right. or in a cast that's completely full of other kids mm-hmm. so like if it's like dance recitals or whatever it is usually right. the age ranges are pretty similar mm-hmm. yeah um but to one have an audience of kids come to a show where there's somebody on a professional stage that is their age has to be really really interesting so we're really excited right. to have yes. you all here um question for everybody I want to know what your first touch point was with Newsies. Like, did you watch it as kids? I mean, you still are kids, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but had you watched the movie? Was it the Broadway production that was sort of your first uh, interaction with the show? I, I saw the Broadway production first, um, and I just loved it. I remember seeing it and thinking, when I'm older, I can be in that one day, and I was I'm so thankful that I'm getting to actually be a part of this. So Broadway was my first... Uh, experienced in Newsies. Cool. Um, surprisingly, I haven't, um, I haven't really known or watched the movie or seen the show when I was younger, unfortunately, but I've always known the story and I always knew what it's about and I've, I'm very familiar with it. Um, but it wasn't until like recently in one of my vocal lessons where I got a, a vocal book for the score of Newsies and I just started reading all the music and I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like, not only the music, but like the messages in it, in it and everything. And it's like, so then I watched the movie and then it's like just this domino effect of like, oh my gosh, why did I not like watch this or really look into this earlier? And um, yeah, and then that kind of just led to today where it's like one of my favorite like musicals of all time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it first on Broadway. Um, and I remember when I was watching it, not knowing that I don't, I don't know if the actual production I saw, there were any girls in there, and if they were, they, were, they weren't dressed as girls, they were dressed as newsboys. Um, but I remember I loved the dancing. I was like, oh my gosh, that dancing's so awesome. But I'm a girl, so I'll probably never be in that show. You know, I never, why would I ever dream that there were news girls? Of course there are news girls. <laughs> you know, it wasn't just a boy thing. Um, and then I also, when we found out we got this job, then I watched the, um, the 
online there's the recording of the mm-hmm. the national tour yeah, mm-hmm. the professional court mm-hmm. recording that they have so watched that kind of on repeat before we got into <laughs> rehearsal <laughs> yeah nice you guys are some of our uh most skilled dancers and it's mm-hmm. frankly really awesome to watch everybody on stage uh in all iterations of this process so far um what is your favorite part of the choreography? I feel like, you know, the Broadway produc- production, the choreography is, like, really impressive and, and interesting, and you're always like, whoa, oh, my God, ah! Mm-hmm. Um, but our choreography feels a little more powerful. Definitely. Um, it's still 100% as impressive, but there's, like, an added level yeah. of, um, like, just power behind every mm-hmm. everything and so what is your experience with the choreographer? I think our choreographer Parker I see he it's such power to the choreography and there's always something to watch so there's moments in the show where everyone's doing something different and like you can watch wherever you want and then I think the strongest moments is like out of that all of a sudden we're all dancing the same piece and it comes together and then we break apart again and do different things and it's so cool um, and his also like the contrast with choreography how some of the numbers, like uh, The World Will Know and Once and For All, it's such a driven message, and it's that's like the power in it. And then the way he choreographs something like um, sorry, King of New York, it's so joyous, and like the ab- absolute opposite, um, but it still flows with the show, and it's so fun to do. And so, like Luke said, like when we're doing stuff in unison, um, it's like so powerful. Um, and also, when we kind of like I'll branch out and start doing like, you know, a trick here or when Luke starts doing his amazing tap dancing or when people are just like flipping across the stage. It's not to be <laughs> selfish, but it is one of my most favorite parts to just go flying out of one of the bombs. And because it, it just feels so great when everyone is like cheering on the sides and it all just feels like we're like truly like just a, a union of newsboys who are just like, you know, going all all out, you know. It's also Parker, like Lucy said, like he pretty much any, he's such an open choreographer, so he'll talk mm-hmm. to you about anything. He's like, so what do you want to do? And if you're like, oh, I can do this trick, he's like, great, let's put it in. And so everyone's doing like their, their strongest stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Um, he wants to utilize everyone's strength to the fullest ability and that's what's so great and that's that's what that's what I really think makes the choreography so exciting to watch. We'll see and speaking of that you've already kind of mentioned you're on four different tracks. Correct, yeah. <laughs> yes. For audience members or listeners who yes. don't know what tracks are, can mm-hmm. you explain that and then go into how you learn Right. I'll let you explain <laughs> yeah, that. so um, I'm considered a, a, the swing in this show, so swing for four ensemble tracks. Tracks meaning people. So, for example, um, I cover this one girl, her name is Bridget Riley, and she plays, I believe, four different tracks, four different people. So she's a nun at one point, a buried beauty, a newsie, and a passerby. So she has four different costumes, and so she would be considered one singular track. Um, so I do four of those because I have four uh, girls that I cover. So um, the other question, yeah, how do how do I keep it all straight? Oh, well, that you know, still trying to figure that out. But <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's definitely you have to be super organized. Brett Marco's the other swing in the show, and we kind of have learned from each other a little bit. Um, he swung before. This is my excuse me. This is my first time swinging. Um, and we 
we have note cards for each track that we have, so and they're color coded, and they are scene by scene, and little side notes and diagrams of the stage, and any detail that we feel is going to be needed if we're thrown on. Um, and you can be thrown on at any time, so it could be a mid show, or it could be you know oh in a week we need you on, or in a day we need you on. So we just we kind of never know, but you just always have to be ready. Um, and so that's why we have our little note cards that we can have backstage because. He's covering 15 tracks. So what did rehearsals look like figuring mm-hmm. all of that out? Yeah, so we, I mean, you're on the sideline for the most part. There was a couple times during rehearsal that I was able to step in if someone had a costume fitting or something like that. Um, but you just, you kind of never get to do it. You just got to do it, it like really small on the side or just in your head. And then it's a lot of outside work. So when you get home, study up dance full out, um, any of the 10 minute breaks that we get or things like that, use the stage. So um, during the show, we're actually up in the Ammerman rehearsal hall at Arena um, and we're doing the entire show with the cast down on the stage because they have a TV screen up there and they have the, the, the audios on. So we can see the whole show going on and listen to the whole show and run the whole show by ourselves up there. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I didn't know that. <laughs> crazy. Yes. I had no idea. And now I just want to stick a camera in the Ammerman. <laughs> no, no, I'm just going to go sit in the Ammerman yeah. and watch. And watch you two do all the yeah. things. We look a little That's crazy because we're, like, you know, doing Dude, scenes with talking to no one, talking right. to thin air, but... <laughs> No, but that's amazing. Yeah, but it's great. I mean, I, I've heard that most theaters do not provide that, so we're right. really privileged here at Arena to be able to have that huh. opportunity. What is your favorite moment in the show? Like, is there a line, a lyric, a move? A... I love in Once and For All when that paper drops yeah. and we sing those those higher notes. I just, Like I don't when know. it slows down a little? Yes, yeah. yeah. Love that part. I also love... Well, because I'm backstage, so I get to watch the whole show every every day and just, you know, watching my whole cast just kill it every night is awesome. Um, I think one of my favorite parts of the show, um, I was not expecting this to happen, and it's a very small, minor <clears throat> part, um, but Luke and I have been friends since we were, like, you know, like, so young, like, since we were five. And um, when we both got our like, parts, like friends, like, like really, like really good friends, great friends, <laughs> no, yeah. Just like friends. And so we no, both we auditioned like, for the show. We were like shoulder to shoulder all the time. Like. They're best <laughs> friends. Yeah. So when we both we both auditioned for the show together, and we we both heard that we both got in, and we were so excited. And then Luke got casted as the part of Elmer, and I got casted as Mush. So I never really thought that we would have much interaction, like through the show. And when I found out that I have a line that says. Um, now there, that there's a headline even Elmer could sell, and I'm kind of like poking fun at Luke. I think it's just like a funny moment because it's so like genuine. Like True. it's a very like yeah, like it's like a, it's really a thing that you know like yeah. we would say to each other like poking fun at each other, and so it's like it's a very small minor moment in the show, but I feel like it's one of those parts where I can like really like just relate to that line very well. Yeah. So yeah, that's actually yeah that is one of my favorite moments. I love I love that one. My name is Joe Montoya, and I play Crutchy in Newsies. 
And I'm Michael Hewitt, and I play Morris Delancey and Darcy, and I understudy Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, my goodness. I think it, our director said it best, um, Molly Smith, our artistic director of Arena Stage, and also our director for this production, she she said it was it's about children's crusades. It's about a generation saying enough and rising up and banding together to fight, to use their voice to fight for what they believe in and to fight for the world they want to live in. A world that pays them livable wages, a world that is safe, a world that, you know, I, and I don't think that any of those ideas are not relevant to especially today's current crisis. One of the things that strikes me the most about, one of the lines that stands out to me the most in the show is something that uh, Davies says, the character Davies says, like, we're doing something dangerous, or we're doing something that's never been done before. How could mm-hmm. that not be dangerous? And even if you can broaden the scope beyond the Children's Crusade to just anybody who wants to do something or, like, has been fearful or hesitant to do something that they really feel compelled to do, I think that it's a great almost like permission slip for them to just go ahead and take that leap. Yeah. Um, well, what I want to know is what were your first newsy touch points? Like, were you me, the seven-year-old <laughs> kid that saw Newsies for the first time in 1992 and was obsessed? Or was the Broadway production the first time? Did you have no idea what Newsies was before you got started on this project? My first Newsies touch point came because of my little brother, who he really was uh, the kind of kid who burned out the Newsies VHS tape in the in our room uh, when we were little kids. I didn't really care too much about it because I remember looking at him being like, well, there's there's no baritones in this. There's no characters that I can play, so <laughs> whatever. Uh, and then I, when I was a musical theater student, I went up to New York and I saw Newsies when it was on Broadway, and I was just, again, my mind was blown, but I was like, well, I'll never be in this show, but... They're super good. And then uh, here we are. <laughs> and I'm in the show. Lo and behold. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my first, I did not see the movie. And I um, I knew it as a Broadway musical, but I hadn't seen it all the way through. I hadn't read this, the script or anything like that. I don't know that most people can unless you go to the drama bookshop or something and you find it. I came to it. I came to it pretty late, like this year, really, and like I, I did not know the show, and then so that's been really nice, though, as an actor to come in to a to a production and read your script for the first time and really embrace it and and dive in without a preconceived notion about how it should be or how the you know this is the way this scene is played or these lines are said or this song is sung, which was nice. I knew the score. I knew I did know uh, oh, some a, of the. Some of the songs. Mm-hmm. What a score. I wake up singing Newsies. Yeah. It's not a joke. Like, I'm humming it in my house when I first thing in the morning. So, like, yeah, you have, like, six or seven-year-olds and then 60 and seven-year-olds in this audience. Mm-hmm. So how, how does Newsies connect to each of them, and what do you hope that each of them are taking away from it? I hope that young people who see this um, understand that they have a voice and that they – and that they see themselves in us on stage, that in the in the newsies, in the newsboys, and they know that they can band together and that they're stronger together and with the people who also believe in in them, um, against people who are who are not looking in their best interests, who you know, to, to rise up and, and actually demand to be heard. Because that's I think something a lot of people feel uh, a, a lot of fatigue right now. Oh, I can't do anything. It's not going to change. You know why? 
why say anything? Why bother? But you should bother. It's your future. And I think a lot of elderly people in our audience or older members of the audience in the theater community come and they and they feel a hope. Or I hope they, I hope that they feel we have hope. Apathetic is no way to go through life. And I think that if the right audience member were to be there with an open mind and be willing to be more than just entertained, but to be inspired. What has been one of the most surprising or most difficult parts of putting this production together, do you think? I think that... One of the challenges of mounting a Disney musical is to not let yourself fall into the trap. I think a lot about being a performer, there are traps that you can fall into. Like, for example, like playing angry. And it's like nobody's just angry. You're angry for a reason, and that's how it ends up looking. And I think that it's an easy trap to fall into to, like, Disney-fy, song and dance, smiling, everything's going to be nice, mm-hmm. guaranteed big happy ending. It's really easy to Disney-fy a Disney production like that. But if you allow yourself to look past that and then, like, really get to the meat of the story and focus mm-hmm. on the text and creating real honest characters, then you get a really explosive play that does end up transporting people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is – that's really the initial hurdle – that we tackled kind of on day one that like this is not gonna this is a real story and we're gonna treat it like that mm-hmm. you know everyone has a story we, we broke that down in rehearsals very uh, really intense rehearsal process mm-hmm. of you know going going through the script and connecting dots and asking each other questions we, we sat around almost a congressional hearing itself oh, like yeah. in this giant uh, table work session of you know ring of tables put together in, in a circle and actors all talking to each other and the staff and the creative team there. It was, it the, was fantastic. The challenges for me have been like the right kind of challenges. Like mm. Morris, despite my own personal view, is, is not the centerpiece of the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you get to phone it in. Mm-hmm. And every every performance, even though like I'm off in the, the corner at the distro booth, somebody else in the audience like might be watching it and it's their first time and you just, you can't phone it in and so that's like that's one of those challenges that like I really love is just staying with it what are the how did you build your your physical character oh. for Crutchy because you're not gosh <laughs> <laughs> but it's it also in, inspires different kind of movement and different my crutch is my, my third leg I love that prop <laughs> yeah. it was it was it's been exciting to to really develop and have my own new sense of of physical self. When you say you built the physical self, do you think that helped build then the mental self? Completely. Um, Because you get somebody who needs to, how do they use the crutch? The crutch is an indicator, it's a staff, it's a, it's not just my crutch, it's my, you know, how I I indicate signs, it's a It's It's an appendage. It's an appendage, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a that's a great word, gosh. And you play Morris, but you also play another character. So how did, how did you mentally and physically get in the headspace of an antagonist, but also an ally to the Newsies? Uh, for me, for Morris, it's just it's very simple. Morris is a, a simple man, and there's just not a whole lot. I don't I don't think that Morris is worried with like a lot of higher level problems, um, and they're so contrasting that it is easy for me to make a shift between the two of them. I mean, it's really just like, 
Okay, we'll pretend you are. We also, the, a lot of the character work that we did in the rehearsals really was super informative and I think made my, makes becoming Morris like that, like second nature, because my understanding of the character that I have built in my mind is so thorough. And then Darcy is the complete opposite of that. And really it's, it sometimes seems like just as simple as, well, pretend you're like a super rich, educated kid and you're like going on this little dangerous adventure down into this printing seller mm-hmm. but there you said Morris is a simple man but it's it, it's I think I, I disagree okay. <laughs> I disagree with you I think there's we're I, back to table work we're back to table work everyone we're going six weeks back to rehearsals no um but we all went while these characters are simple you know like on paper there's in what make there's an easy painting to to uh, create of, you know, the New Yorkers and the, you know, and we're all plucky orphans and all these things. And that's, and the street urchins and the, yeah, that's how we all talked. But we did a lot of work with dialects. We did a lot of uh, work dramaturgically, thanks oh, to yeah. Nason, about, true. you know, where the, where we come from and where each, you know, your your character's Irish. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a different experience in New York mm-hmm. and what makes, I think, New York so wonderful and and recognizable is the fact that everyone in that city is is unique and has their own journey and their own place that they come from and it informs what we're all trying to do we're all forced into the same location by our own wills and drives and desires to you know make better lives but we all come from different you know backgrounds with different baggage oh man no i mean i think the story has always kind of lent itself to that because you you know all, you know, a lot of Disney movies will have, like, specific characters and they all have their thing. But what I've always felt with, with Newsies in particular is, like, in a lot of instances, I'll, I'll kind of forget the names of the background characters. But with this, and again, maybe this is just because I've watched it 8,000 times in my <laughs> life. But, like, every Newsie had a name and every name sort of was attached to their personality or oh yeah that's built from the that's built from the ground up in the rehearsal room Mm -hmm. so like this is actually something i think about every single time on stage both from both in like an in the moment way like what is my relationship to specs or henry Mm -hmm. or albert but then also like in a meta way like wow we each have our own like i can see very clearly you know in let's say uh what's her name, Splasher's eyes, mm-hmm. a relationship. Like, I can see very clearly how she feels about Morris at that point in the play, mm-hmm. even though it's just, I'm just handing her a bag mm-hmm. to get her day started. Um, but that creates performances that affect people, that kind of work as an actor, and, and from the directors and from the people behind the table crafting rehearsals or, and shaping the play, that affects you, at, that affects the kids, that affects people who remember this for years. And it's something that inspires them. I think that's the magic of theater. When you work, when you when the actors work that hard, and and the writers work that hard to develop specific characters, you know, that all have these interpersonal relationships. We see these guys every day. We get papers from them, or, you know, and then and they threaten us every day. They have a very point of they have a very specific point of view about us. We do them. That's life. And I think when people re- remember a piece for years on and they love a piece like that it's because they saw some reflection of life in there and that's my pretentious <laughs> end point on <laughs> theater <laughs> but do you think that that is enhanced by the Chandler? because while it is a big theater it is a very it's intimate not a space big theater. it's so perfect mm-hmm. um 
it feels really I've never done any film work, but it feels like what I imagine being on camera would be like um, small things go a big way mm-hmm. and if delivered with the right amount of with the right intensity of intention, it can ring to the back of the theater. It feels like a small house and then everybody gets in there and then I mean it's not and it's not small. it's not a, the most of intimate spaces. I've been in you know some you know, basements in Brooklyn that are called theaters. <laughs> <laughs> That's intimate. But, you know, um, but it is, it is an intimate space, which is one, awesome. it, both intimate and dauntingly because they're well, the audience is above a, you. You're in an arena. Not, it's yeah. like, think about, a, you're a gladiator. Uh-huh. And, the, you know, <laughs> the, the, the actor becomes, you know, a fighter on stage, but it's, it's so wonderful to feel, you know, everybody from all sides. Well, this one is for Joe specifically, um, and I actually had it just as like one dimension, but as we were sitting here talking, um, I realized it also really applies to our show because we have women who are playing like what is traditionally men's mm-hmm. roles in the production, right? Because they're all newsboys. Mm-hmm. But you just played Eponine in Les Mis recently. Yes, I did. So you okay. got to like gender bend. And then we've got women who are playing girls, but they're playing the roles that were intentionally and originally built for, for men. For men. Um, so tell us a little bit about your experience doing that because that has to be amazing. I mean, like yeah. as a female, oh, gosh, Eponine yes. is like my go-to. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I it's every. Imagine any, like, any musical theater person. I mean, just, like, the tragedy and drama and melodrama of that mm-hmm. character is just the absolute best. Yeah. So what was it like playing her? Playing playing Panine was was fantastic. Um, it's, it is your brat, Eponine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a great part. It was, I mean, it, it, it was a great role to get inside and to play, and I knew it going in right. um, because every gay boy freaking loves Eponine and Les Mis and just wishes they were they <laughs> right. were in it and mm-hmm. so it was a dream it was a dream to get cat to have the option to audition and it, it was wonderful Eponine is funny that is something that and, and has a lot of fun mm-hmm. that's what I mean earning tragedy is mm-hmm. you have to go to the other end and be living your life Eponine is not doesn't feel bad for herself. Doesn't feel and in our production we uh, we we played Panina as a boy. I was not playing a woman. I was okay. playing uh, a young man. Other a few other roles in the in the students ensemble were changed as well to women. Um, just so in Newsies, seeing that in history there were young women and mm-hmm. and small girls who were news girls. Um, it was far less common because historically. Um, certain gender roles really did right. restrict young girls and and their mothers as I think were a part of that in the greater system of patriarchy and right. whatnot you know permeating the turn of the century so Molly chose to include young women into this and be and that's her directorial intent mm-hmm. it's it's com- it's not oh we're just like putting in some girls it's like no because young women are also in the fight today for our our modern day children's crusades that's not well they're leading it they're leading it <laughs> and and women across the the world are standing up and making their voices heard i've never been on a i've never been in a production where almost the entire team was female mm. that's never happened to me 
where so many of the company members are female in administration, in production, in in stage management, like everything. Uh, the energy, the future is female. And now for our brand new rapid fire questions portion of this podcast, we asked our cast members to answer a bunch of ridiculous questions as quickly as possible, and the results are just about perfect. Rapid fire in five, four, three, two, one. What's your favorite Disney film? Oh, oh God, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Emperor's New Groove. Go-to karaoke song. Uh, if I can't live her. What? If, if I, I can't love her. Uh, oh, that's life. Frank Sinatra. Whitney Houston, I will always love you. You know, just like sound terrible doing it because it's Whitney Houston. But like, yeah, I would really get into it. Mm-hmm. Last song you listened to besides Newsies? Last song I listened to was, oh, uh, the, the entire soundtrack of Hamilton constantly. Dimitri Vorostovsky singing Prince Igor's Aria. Uh, Crazy Love. Nice. By oh. um, La- oh, yeah. Lady Annabelle. <laughs> um, last show you binge watched on Netflix? West Wing. Uh, American Dad. Nice, nice. Heart of Dixie. Um, There's this new one on Netflix called Living With Yourself. Favorite color? Green. Well, green, blue. Yeah, same thing. Um, let's see. This is a question for everyone. What is your Hogwarts house? Gryffindor. Nice. Slytherin. So I am a hybrid of, I'm a Gryffindor. I've gotten both. I've literally gotten both. That means you're a Ravenclaw, because you had to specify that you're a hybrid. (laughs) Only a Ravenclaw would go that deep about it. Gryffindor. Mm, I'm like Harry. Gryffindor? (laughs) Mm, No, what did the sorting hat say? Maybe Slytherin, maybe Gryffindor. Toss up. That's fair. Do you guys not know that? Everyone else knew that. Brick? Is that Harry Potter? What? Superpower, what would it be? To fly. Yes. Um, I would also fly, but I would fly by, like, just thinking, and then my body soars, not, like, because I have wings. Mm. Yeah, I don't need wings. I just want to fly. No, I said it first. <laughs> I would. Okay. I feel like I just want to, like... What was yours? <laughs> if, if, oh, you uh, uh, mind reading. <laughs> uh, flying. Oh, uh, learning like the they do in the Matrix. Oh, um, invisibility. Okay. I like that one. Flying. Nice. Currently, like body transfer, like to Ooh. have my swing, like be my the people that I'm swinging. Oh, Lucy. <laughs> yeah. That's you could also get into like some Met Gala. I'm gonna be Beyonce today. Then you are. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I could cool. that one. What flavor of ice cream would you be? Uh, pistachio. I, I guess I'd have to go with Rocky Road because I feel like I'm just a little bit of everything. I'm gonna say. Mint chocolate chip. Like yes. strawberry rhubarb cheesecake. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I oh, I don't know how to beat that. It's not about beating that. It's just uh, I I'd want to be just, like a just, coffee with toffee uh, bits in it, like something that's like both smooth but also gives you the crunch. Mint chocolate chip. I would probably be like 
like vanilla caramel swirl with pralines, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I like to think my life is complex. I'm winning this whole thing. There's a winner for this. Like, and now that answer. As always, thank you for listening to another episode of Arena, Arena On Air. If you love the podcast, please hop over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. Have a topic you'd love us to talk about? Get in touch with us using the hashtag ArenaOnAir at all of your favorite social media platforms. A special thank you to our 2019-20 Alan Lee Hughes Fellows, Tristan Evans, Brandon Pilar, and Caroline Austin for their assist in the planning, production, and editing of this episode. 